Welcome back to Unprofessional. Uh, if you've listened before, if you haven't, then just welcome, I guess. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by, I think, possibly the most attractive man in all of America, Mr. Lex Friedman. Wow, that is high praise. Hi, Dave. I'm going purely on your new avatar. Oh, my new uh, my new little Twitter avatar, you mean? Yeah, you got a, you got a headshot. You know, just I, I'm diving right in. Before you even introduce the guest, the story is that uh, our biggest fan... The guy who won a free something or other from us, a t-shirt, <laughs> Ben, whose last name I forget, Ben, somebody, saw me outside yeah. of uh, Apple's campus when I was there for the iPhone 5S and 5C unveiling, and he's like, Lex, hi, and I was like, hi, Ben, and he was holding his camera, and he points his camera at me, and I was walking away, and I turned back to him. He snapped that photo, and I immediately walked away again, and it's like the best <laughs> photo of me that anyone has ever taken in my entire so life. So it's a, it's a picture of you being a dick to a listener. Yes. Sorry, Great. Ben. Well, after all of that, joining us this week is uh, one of uh, probably a, a close second on Most Attractive Man in America, <laughs> Nick Arnott. Hey, guys. Just a super sexy panel we've got going today. And Dave, we should acknowledge that you two are bringing the sexiness. Uh, we're bringing it back. Right. It's rather overwhelming. Did you just deal with constant Arnott-related jokes your entire life? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it it was a lot worse growing up. It's actually gotten a little bit better as I've gotten older. Uh, as people try to be a little bit more creative, I think. Right. So you know, as a kid, it was mostly uh, R two R not that sort of business. And as I got older, uh, people came up with like ready R not. Um, somebody at work. <laughs> See, what I would like is if you do that every time you were about to reach orgasm, ready or not, here I come. That would be. See that I would like. I'm just saying. Straight into the gutter. Yeah. I'm going to take it into consideration. Let me talk it over with the wife. <laughs> <laughs> she could also say it. Either way, it works. He's got to be really yeah, careful right. what he says here because she listens to the show. Yeah. We what? should point it because we've mentioned her on the show. She's our talent coordinator. Indeed, she is. She she managed to get Nick for us. <laughs> <laughs> After he was months a tough of get. hard work. Yeah. He was a really tough get. I put up a fight, but eventually she won me over. Are we going to say her first name or are we just going to leave it be uh, obtuse? Well, Mrs. Arnott. There you go. Gemma. We've, we've, we've talked about Gemma on the show before. We have. She deserves our praise. Our friend and yours. What I was kind of imagining was somebody saying, are you Nick? And you're agreeing with them and saying, Arnott. And they say, oh, I really thought you were. Like, that's, I, w- I wanted like a who's on first kind of confusion from your name more than anything. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't think that's ever actually happened. Well, we have a tremendous opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we do. I hope somebody's going to capitalize on this now. I have an important question. What are your solutions Oh God! when you have a song stuck in your head? What do you do when the song is stuck in your head? Right before the show, Nick was saying he was looking for some... Uh, some get pumped music. And my response was to send him a link to the song that was stuck in my head. So I think my solution is to pass it off on other people. <laughs> e- email it elsewhere. <laughs> I just send it back out. Like just yeah. hand it off. It's now it's your problem. Because, <laughs> you know, there's the school of thought of listen to the song. No, that full. doesn't help. Um, right. And there's the school of thought of listen to a, a, a differently annoying song, a different kind of earworm. Yeah, yeah. I think the only solution is like injure yourself or drink heavily. Oh, those things go hand in hand, by the way. 
<laughs> I've had decent experience with replace it with a different song, but that doesn't really solve the problem. <laughs> You're just kicking the can down the road. Yeah, right. sometimes I can solve it not by listening, but uh, playing the song. If I've got a song stuck in my head, like I'll grab a guitar and try to play it out. What What's worse for me than getting the song stuck in my head is being infatuated with a new song that I've heard, and I can't uh, stop listening to it. Mm, and I know I'm going to get burned out, and I know it's going to be in my head for like two weeks afterwards, but I just can't <laughs> stop. This is the best song ever. I love it. So I fucking hate this song. Right, right. Yeah, I do that, uh, I think, once a week. <laughs> I go through that cycle. What's your most played song in iTunes? Ooh, that's a that's an interesting question. I feel like we're on a first date. I have to ignore my first <laughs> couple. Like it says I've played this the Beatles song the night before 4,107 times, which I assume is because years ago <laughs> I obtained that track illegally and it's got some weird metadata in it. Um, mm-hmm. But my most played actually most – well, my actual, actually most played song is the Dora the Explorer theme. That's clearly, <laughs> clearly something happening for my kids. But then comes Dr. Worm by They Might Be Giants. I, I, my top one, not a surprise, possibly my favorite song ever is uh, Rains in Asia from Jump Little Children, past guest Jay Clifford. I really thought you were going to say theme to unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> That's like number eight. No, because there's so many different versions of the theme to Unprofessional that I, I bet if you added them all up, it might be in the, the top 10. How about you, Nick? Well, I mostly use Spotify these days, <sighs> which makes the iTunes information pretty worthless. Why are you ruining music, Nick? God I'm damn sorry. it. You're they pay-, pay the artist every time I listen to the song. Right. You're paying those artists seven cents. Right. It, if and- only. If only they were getting seven cents. <laughs> Oh, no, well, I, I didn't mean per play. I meant in aggregate. All of the artists <laughs> Nick has ever listened to have made yes. a combined seven cents. Yeah, that's about right. Well, I figure it's like, you know, it's like the lottery when you can take the one lump sum up front, but then it's over. Or you can get like the, the payments over time. And I'm just doing the payments over time for the artists. No. You know, I'm going I'm to keep listening to them <laughs> for a longer period of time. And I ignore the fact that they're going to get less money for it. It's like the lottery lump sum or payments over time, except the payments over time, somebody else gets the money. Yeah, well, I'm not concerning myself with the details. <laughs> is is one of us getting attacked by a dog right now? Oh, is that coming through? It's oh a, yeah, I have five dogs upstairs right now. What the? Do you, you have usually five have five dogs? No, we usually have two. Uh, you, but my boss is out of town this week, so we have his dog, and uh, my brother is going out of town with his uh wife for the weekend so we got their two pugs also this afternoon uh, well one of those dogs at least is dead just so you know <laughs> i think he's got like a michael vick situation going on over there well the one barking is my dog so i know she's alive <laughs> well, well at least one fine. of them is alive i you know i've been trying out uh I, I'm talking tech, not because I've left Macworld, but because it relates to this conversation. But I've been trying out the old iTunes radio that got released with iOS 7 and the iTunes update recently. And it just is reminding me that I, I'm totally the wrong audience for Spotify or iTunes radio or any of those things. I like the music that I own. I don't, I don't yeah, want I'm random the same songs. Way. I, don't, I don't want any of that stuff. I, and I like owning music. Part of it is because I want to support the artist. I know that whenever I get the uh, – when I go in and look at the the sales figures for – airplane mode stuff it's always here's the number for for purchases and then four cents for streaming <laughs> and i I, ha, I have to imagine that scaling that up to a popular successful musician it's still going to be like those same percentages and it might even be those same that same number four cents for streaming so i actually wind up listening to most of the music i own on spotify <laughs> <laughs> because 
And this goes back, you know, Lex so they're getting were, an extra four cents. Right. It, it's in addition. It's a bonus. Um, <laughs> but You're no, a real when patron. I had, <laughs> when I had the, uh, when I had like a 32 gig 3GS. <laughs> Our guests today are Nick Arnott and 87 dogs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to go upstairs and get them to stop barking or just keep going. I think at this point we've got to work with it. That They're the soundtrack of our lives right now. Perfect. I, well, you could go try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go give it a shot because there's a good chance they're going to start barking a little bit later anyway. Uh, so hang on just a sec, guys. I don't know if I follow the logic of that. I'm going to go get a try because they're just going to do it more later anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not, I don't really follow that one either. Now, will this be in the show? This part right here? Right. No. Totes adorbs. <laughs> hey, you got them quiet. What'd you do? Did you feed them to each other? I think he killed his dogs. You just have to threaten them the right way. <laughs> um, no, actually, so With- <laughs> my brother, when, uh, when he brings his dogs over, they have this egg-shaped thing. That uh, you, you turn it on. That's the dog's testicle, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's They're larger cold. than that. Um, you turn it on, and when the dogs bark, it makes a really high-pitched noise that drives them crazy. Uh, we've used this on our dogs once, and they're so terrified that if we just pull it out, they stop barking. <laughs> Nick Arnott is a dick to dogs. <laughs> I didn't make the thing. <laughs> I absolutely hate how dog groomers and dog walkers and everybody else in the dog industry feels that their name needs to be a pun on the word dog and that they all use the same one. Like, doggone good grooming or boy, get your doggone dog in here dot com. I just hate that City bark. I hate it all. Yeah. I also hate that Michael Jackson used the word doggone instead of any other two syllable word in the girl is mine. You're going down a path here, Lex. I'm not sure I can follow. I'm just saying the doggone girl is mine is a terrible lyric. How about the lovely (laughs) girl is mine? How about the the goddamn girl is mine? Right. The goddamn girl, the the pretty girl is mine. The, the, that there girl is mine. Anything is better than doggone. The human girl is mine. (laughs) The quite young girl is mine. Whatever it is. I'm just saying there are more ways to get to two syllables. You should be a lyricist, Lex. That young girl is mine. She mine. <laughs> the lounge she version. So you mentioned this a second ago, Lex. We should call it out because it's come up a couple of times. You'll have asked us about this. You left Macworld. Yes, I did. And there are people who think that <laughs> there is a possibility now that we are going to become a tech show. Right. <laughs> and you and I, Dave, privately to each other have expressed, I don't know exactly what the emotion is. Not disgust. That's strong. Annoyance. Let's go with annoyance. At each other? No. At how many times? <laughs> never. At how many times people have said, does that mean, I, the, the, the two things I've read are, does that mean it's going to become professional now? Or uh, does that mean that you guys are going to talk about tech now? Uh, and the answer to those questions are no and no. <laughs> and P.S. Even, I think those are stupid questions. I think you know better. <laughs> Well, it's because for the first, I don't know, 10 shows or whatever, it was a running joke that we couldn't talk about technology or you'd get fired. Right. But really, the that was kind of where the show was born from. But the truth is that we we don't talk about work because it's just – that's that's what we do. Like we talk about anything but work. It's more interesting. Everybody <laughs> will talk about work. I'll talk about anything but work. Anything. If it's about butt work, I'm in. I want to hear about it. Tell me about your butt work. 
I just realized, though, speaking of but work, Nick, for, for the woefully uninformed. Oh, yeah, you didn't do the thing. Tell people who you are. Who is Nick Arnott? Who the fuck is this guy? Uh, I do quality assurance for a mobile development company here in Denver called Double Encore. And then uh, outside of business hours, when I'm looking to relax <laughs> and wind down, I like to do the same thing that I do at my desk job, but for people that don't pay me money to do it. Oh, like so when me. you do QA for other people, it's um, it's not uh, for money? Like all but one time, correct. Wow. You just love doing it that much, huh? Well, no. you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take some blame for this because he's, uh, he's the Vesper QA ninja. And uh, he spends a lot of time working on stuff for us. But, yeah, we, we don't pay him. <laughs> Sweet. You guys bought me dinner, which was nice. Was it a, was it a good dinner? It was a great dinner. Uh, Where was it from? Uh, so it's steak place. All right. Yeah. Okay. I was like, house. I didn't want you to like, oh, yeah, they told me get anything you want from Taco Bell and send the bill to us. Like, it was a nice dinner. They it sent was a $20 like, gift card to Chili's. Three booklets of burger bucks to use at Burger King. Mmm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I was can just, tell you might have some questions, Lex. Well, no, I, I just realized Where's that what I was going to ask you about was not connected directly to what you said. I was just thinking about off time and iPhones because Vesper is, as you may know, an iPhone app. Um, I is. think that... That's uh, true. I think Louis C.K.'s thing that was being passed around the internet uh, within the past couple of days is bullshit. And everybody wants – every time Louis C.K. makes a rant about technology, everybody passes it around like he is so insightful and he's uh, showing us all the ways that we're flawed humans and we should listen to him and learn his lessons. And I think it's all I bullshit. I miss this. What is it? So the thing that was getting passed around um, was Louis C.K. talking about how – our phones are making us uh, terrible people and making us uh, bad. Uh, there's he was citing two problems. One, we're using our phones when we're alone. He says, you know, when I'm I'm not, I'm not quoting. Let me be clear. I'm paraphrasing. But like when I'm driving around, 100% of people are texting while driving, and it's because and they're they're killing each other, and it's because they can't stand the thought of being alone for a moment. You know, when they're alone in the car and it's deadly silence. Like, wait a second, I can feel the sadness of of life and the sadness of my lone existence starting to creep in let me connect with humanity right. by texting and then uh he was also saying that there's a problem where with kids when they're looking down at their phones it used to be the kids would say hey you're fat to the fat kid uh no offense dave and um they would <laughs> wait what <laughs> <laughs> you you have said on this show that you were a pudgier kid so okay as long a, as that's where you're going with that i yeah. thought, thought you were trying to say something no, you else. are not a fat kid now but so he was saying you know when you say hey you're fat to some kid uh, and you see that kid's face crumple, you learn, well, that was not so fun anymore because I don't like that I made that kid feel that way. But when you write it on their Facebook page, hey, you're fat, and you can't see their immediate reaction, you don't learn that it's bad. I think that both of those things are bullshit. That's all. I That actually sounds fairly accurate. I, I, but I don't think that's the real problem with people using phones and how that's ruining our lives. I think it's because there's no – we haven't had the time to develop social etiquette for how to use these things yet. It's still all – right. I think that's a big piece of it. They're still all so new. I mean, iPhones have been around since 2007, but not the amazing things we can do with them now. At first, all you could do is email with them. But now, like, I, I, I know that some people hate email, but I'm certainly one of those people where if I see a new email come in, I want to know what it is right away. Because, like, yeah, what too. if it's something super exciting? Um, and that's been since, I don't know, the late 90s? <laughs> so I don't know if these are habits that we can break, but it still all feels so new. <laughs> My belief is that when... Uh, 
I don't think adults are having a harder time letting the sadness in because they can turn to their phones. Because first of all, not everybody still not everybody has a smartphone and not everybody texts. But even, I don't know. I'm an adult and I'm pretty sad. I'm sorry. No, but I do think there's truth to that. I do think that there's truth to we we don't like feeling disconnected. I don't think that it comes down to sadness or loneliness, but I, I think it's about connection. What's his uh, What's his call to action on this? What's his solution here? That we should use our phones less, that we should embrace the sadness when you feel the sadness. He, so he tells this bullshit story. This is all on an episode of Conan O'Brien, I believe, um, or whatever that show is called, Conan. Um, and he said, you know, I don't know what the song is, but you know, some Bruce Springsteen song comes on and it makes him sad and he was starting to feel sad and he was going to let himself get distracted with something or other. And he said, no, you know what? I'm just going to let myself feel this sad. And then he had to pull over because he was sobbing so hard. And then he finally stops crying. And then he was happy because when you cry, uh, you get endorphins released and then you feel happy. And he was so glad that he had that good cry. And really what I think is Louis C.K. probably already has and needs more therapy. And I don't think it's necessarily indicative of the human condition writ large. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like he's a crybaby and he's trying to project that on everybody else. <laughs> Every, I'm normal. You should all be crying like me. Yeah. No, I think when when you're by yourself, use your phone all you want. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But when you're with other people, that's when it drives me nuts. When I look around a dinner table and I see multiple people with their phones out. We were out to dinner a few nights ago and we're at a table where – This is you and Nick? Yeah, yeah. Well, with the royal we. Me. I was out to – it was by myself. <laughs> no, I was – yeah, it was like maybe uh, five or six people at the table. And at one point, at least two of the people at the table had their phones out and were watching baseball. And this wasn't like uh, we're sitting around KFC. This is a nice restaurant. And we've got at least two people at the table watching a baseball game on their phone instead of interacting with everybody else. Interesting. How, how and when did that become acceptable? How and when did it become acceptable to blow off the people that you're supposed to be out spending time with to instead effectively just sit and watch TV? Yeah, see, that I don't people approve can, of. People can multitask. Wait, so you, you were okay with it? You were okay with busting out the baseball at the table? Were you one of the baseball watchers, you jerk? <laughs> I was not. I was not one of the baseball watchers. I, I mean, there's certain times where that sort of stuff has bugged me. It's like you're in a group of people and everybody's looking down at their phones, or you're, you know, like if you're speaking directly to somebody, right? And they pull their phone out and they're sort I of nodding it. and going "uh huh," but they're clearly not listening to you. That drives me crazy. But like at this, uh, in this particular situation, I think there were what like six of us, Dave, at dinner. Yeah, five or six, and, and something like that. So it's like the, the, the conversation continued despite what one or two people might be doing with their phones. So it, I don't know. It didn't bother me too much. When I'm talking to someone and they'll like look at their phone and start checking something, sometimes the person will say, hey, I'm really sorry. I hate doing this. Give me just one second. And they'll pause the conversation. That's fine. If they were to look at me and tell me to go fuck myself, that's even better than nodding and pretending like they're listening, giving me 5% of their attention and completely blowing me off otherwise. Right, because it's, your option as the person speaking is to either say something or just stop talking and wait for them to look up. And it's also it's, – it's a waste of my time, a waste of my energy. It's not only saying that I'm, I'm not as important as whatever else is going on at that moment. It's that you don't even care enough about my time or my feelings to stop and tell me to, to stop talking. Yeah, but I don't think people think about it that hard. Clearly, clearly, this is this is abs the entire problem is a lack of thoughtfulness. Not to say that it isn't fair to feel that way, but I, uh, I you know, it's just uh, we have a very distracted society these days. I would, like I said, I would prefer a thoughtful "shut up, go fuck yourself." I'm tired of listening to you. Over letting me talk while you continue to stare at your phone. I'm gonna remember that, Dave. <laughs> 
I, uh, you know, and the thing is, I don't, I, I think now I'm conflicted. I think that Nick has me partially convinced on the baseball at the table if there were other people there to engage with. If I'm there with if, just you and you whip out the baseball game, that's super rude. But if it's a game that you're super passionate about and I'm not in the middle of talking to you and you want to see it, because part of me is like, well, I just want everybody to be happy. And if that's what's going to make them happy, then okay, whatever. If it's not bothering me because I'm already talking to a person who's actually engaging at the table, then I'm okay with it. I, well, I start asking questions like, hey, who's winning? What inning is it? And you know things like that. And the, everybody there knows that I hate sports. <laughs> And so they start making fun of, like, why would you ask these questions? And all I can say is because I'm just trying to engage. Like, we're sitting here at a table. I just want to talk to you guys. Like, I'm out with my friends. I, even if it's something I don't care about, I'd rather talk to you about something that I don't care about than sit here and watch you watch baseball. To be fair, I think you did get some answers to the questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm, not, I'm not complaining that about that. Them. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. It's, it's more that the reason I would bother to ask is because – I'm, I'm I'm spending time with you because I like spending time with you. If if that means that we're talking about baseball, you know what? That's fine. I'll take it. That's interesting that you'll take it. Like if it was football, I could support it, but baseball is. <laughs> well, it's I don't know. Baseball is like how bored is... are you? <laughs> how bored how could awful... you possibly be right now talking to <laughs> how, me? That that's how a better awful is my company. God. Baseball. Is baseball is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most sports are horrible in different ways. Um, I feel guilty when I enjoy football because I know the players are really killing themselves, but baseball is just so boring. And there's, there's something like, uh, how many games do they play? Like 200 per day? <laughs> Approximately. It's like 850 a season. Yeah. I, I live three blocks away from Coors Field. And when there's a baseball game, one can't fucking go anywhere. To be fair, they put it in the baseball stadium before I moved here. So it's not like it was a big surprise, but still I'm sick of baseball people. In recent years, I've had people try to sell me on baseball and they tell me, well, it's really interesting if you get into like the statistics, which is probably the the, the least compelling argument I've ever heard to well, try to get me interested in something. But hang on there. I have a colleague at Macworld. Uh, he definitely does not listen to the show. Well, I guess I had a colleague at Macworld. He does not listen to the show, but I still won't mention his name, Phil. But um, <laughs> he has this he, he does this thing where he scores baseball games. Yeah. I, I don't mean like he keeps score. Like he keeps track of everything. Like what yep. the pitches were, how many strikes and balls there were and who stole what, and who got on base and who's like how, and there's other people doing it because they're paid to do it. But some people, including Phil do it for fun. And Phil tested apps that do it multiple yep. times for Macron. He's like, no, all the apps are terrible because everybody has their own way. This is a job for pen and paper. No, it's not. This is a job for a crazy person. If you're going to watch the game, <laughs> sit and watch the fucking game. Oh I've had people I try to tell me that I, I would get really into baseball if I would learn how to score the game. And my response is, how little do you know me that you think that the best way to improve sports is to add math? There is definitely some kind of insanity involved with people who find that that aspect of it fun. I can't think of anything where I would ever think, you know what would make this better? Some math. I think it must be that baseball is like the, uh, you know, it's America's pastime. It's the, the old time. Yeah, it's way past time. It's the old timey version of of having a cell phone to distract you from your own depression. <laughs> so people have these miserable lives, and and their solution <laughs> is you go and you score a baseball game. That's true. I would like a study of all the people who score baseball games and find out how many of them are generally miserable the rest of the time. <laughs> if only they would learn to cry at a Bruce Springsteen song, there'd be no more baseball. All right, well, let's let's take a break and uh, acknowledge this episode's swell swell sponsors. Swell, like swollen sponsors? Are they sick? 
No, it's just I always say fine, fine, and I was trying to mix it up. So there's swell like uh, in you would say in the movie Pleasantville. Well, sure. There are also antonyms, swell and fine. I guess that's true in a way. In a way. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> two sponsors today, Dave, in fact. Not one, but two. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Uh, the first one up is Slidu Tasks. Now, the very first thing I'm going to do is spell it because this will be important. You should. Sly, S-L-Y, do, D-O-O, tasks. It's all one word. If you really care. So, sly like a fox. Exactly. Uh, if you really care, there's an intercap. The T gets a cap. But Slidu Tasks. It's a Camel task case. and note storage app specializing in rapid retrieval of information through visual filtering. What the hell does that mean? What it means is this is an app, and I have spent uh, a decent amount of time today playing with it. Um, you you tap and hold on individual tasks on the list, and then you get this circular interface that comes up, and you slide your finger around to choose you know, how you want to be filtering right now. It's, it's you know, I want to say crazy, but crazy like a fox, like a sly, sly do fox. It's crazy in a very cool way. It's I haven't seen a whole lot of interfaces like it on the iPhone. It's very clever. It feels very intuitive. I mean, you have to read the manual to know that it's there. But once you understand it, it's it's very easy to get used to. So sly do tasks. You create your own tags composed of your own chosen icon. There's more than 100 in the app. You can pick what color, what the text style is. You can filter tasks and, and notes by arbitrary texturing, by tag, by color, by date, or by named combinations of those attributes. So you can really, however, you, if you have a ton of stuff to do that you're managing all these different to-do things in here, you can sort them and filter them in any way you need. Uh, the thing I was talking about is called the Slido UI menu. It's a pop-up menu to basically instantly filter your task list. Um, and like I said, I spent a lot of time with it today. I put in a bunch of apps into it. I'm sorry. I put a bunch of tasks into it and then was using the little slider doohickey all over the place to see if I could get it to choke. And I could not. Is that what the do and slide do means? Doohickey? Yes. <laughs> the, the slide, there's a little bit of slide in there because you're sliding your finger around. There's do for doohickey. And then there's slide because he had to be very sly to come up with this. So... It's uh, Slido Tasks is a new take on task and note filtering. See it in motion today. Here's where you're going to go. SlidoTasks.com. Let me remind you how to spell it. S-L-Y-D-O-O Tasks.com. Now, one interesting thing, I, I had a, a long conversation with the developer, um, and he was telling me about some of the apps that he drew inspiration from, like apps from the Palm Pilot era that he missed because there was nothing that does this in this kind of interface on the iPhone. Obviously, there's, there's plenty of task management stuff, but this is a very, a very unique uh, take on it. And one other thing that he mentioned that was kind of compelling to me is uh, he and his wife are looking to adopt children. So he said, I have my day job, but you know, you need 50 grand or something sometimes to cover all the fees. And they're like, hopefully the idea was I'm spending all of my spare time building this app. And, uh, uh, I'm optimistic that, you know, I promote it on professional people start learning about it. A lot of people buy it. We're going to raise the extra money we need to, uh, to adopt this kid. So check them out. Slidotasks.com. S-L-Y-D-O-O tasks.com. Um, what's extra funny to me about all this or, or compelling, I guess I uh, was talking to the developer on Twitter very early in the morning. And so probably like around six, six fifteen AM. And then, uh, he mentions, Oh, by the way, I'm in Arizona, which meant that he was up at, I think right now they're on mountain time. I think it was, I don't know, four fifteen then, but I was like, wow, you're up insanely early. Cause it's early for me. And he's like, Oh yeah, I get up. I, I don't sleep that much cause I have to work on the app. So this is a guy who's working his ass off. The least you could do is go check out Slido tasks, S L Y D O O T A S K S.com. Check them out.
Our second sponsor this week is Couch to 5K. You've probably heard of this. You've probably seen people talking about it in your Twitter stream. But if you aren't familiar, Couch to 5K is an iPhone app made by a company called Radiant Tap. It's designed for newbie runners, people who have never run before, people who have tried running but gave up on it, like me. <laughs> uh, here's how it works. You put your headphones on, you play some music you like, and you start to run. The app has uh, voice coaching. It'll tell you when you should slow down, when you should speed up, help keep your pace. It's got support for heart rate monitors. It uses GPS to track your distance and your pace and your speed and calculates spent calories. It even has detailed history, best pace, graphs, maps, et cetera, to track your progress uh, so you can brag on Daily Mile, Twitter, or Facebook. The program lasts nine weeks, three days per week, 20 to 30 minutes per day. And at the end, you'll easily jog 5K, which is about three miles, in 30 minutes. Wow. That's a, 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 you know, I got to try this. I think I should do this because I've tried running before and it, was, it just wasn't for me. And even like when I go to the gym, I prefer the elliptical over the treadmill. I just don't really care for running. I'm not exactly sure what that is. But if I could – if I've got like a program that I could do. Yeah, I mean I, I kind of hate running. But what's amazing to me is that when people do this, I have heard from, you know – friends who are way out of shape that they do this program and it, it works. So I have to believe that it actually does work and um, I'm willing to try. I'm going to try. I think, I think I'm going to try this. Uh, I'm not on my couch right now, but I do, I feel like I spend more time on my couch than I should. I mean, I've got, I've got uh, things that I'm doing now. I'm actually made, like uh, the Fitbit, loving my Fitbit. That's helping out uh, quite a bit. I'm tracking some progress. Anything that keeps me motivated and accountable like that, I find does well for me. Uh, so if like me, you really want to check this out and you want to, you want to give cash to 5k a try, go to radianttap.com slash unpro that's radiant, like the word radiant, uh, tap tap.com slash unpro. Interesting. Does that mean that in radianttap.com slash unpro that there's going to be two consecutive T's, one for radiant and one for tap? Yeah. Yeah. Don't It's not radiant app. No. I realize that saying it, hearing this on a podcast, we're in your ears right now. You're not, you can't see letters the way we see letters. It's radiant tap. It might sound like radiant app, but it's radiant tap. The tap is radiant. <laughs> it is. Well, so thanks to, to, to radiant <laughs> tap slash on bro. Thanks to them for uh, the couch to 5k sponsorship. And uh, thanks, of course, to Slido Tasks, S-L-Y-D-O-O Tasks.com, two very cool sponsors, two very cool apps. And if you haven't already bought them, uh, you're dead to me. You know, uh, I forgot to mention something about Radiant. Oh, yeah? Uh, Radiant Taps, Couch to 5K. The price. Oh, yeah. What is the price? I mean, this is insane. We all that talk. I just assume, like, I'm sold. I'm just going to go buy this thing. But it turns out the, the first two weeks are free. And uh, after the first two weeks, if you're still in it, it's four ninety nine. It's four ninety nine in app purchase for the full program. That's kind of cool because what it means is if you try it for a week and you don't stick with it, like if you give up after a week, it's not really for you. You don't pay anything. Right. That's pretty clever, actually. I, I think that's a totally fair way to do it because you get two weeks. You're already starting the training. You can see if you can do it. And then once you realize, right. holy crap, I can do this. Of course, you're gonna. It's worth a few bucks to say, yeah, I want to be able to to actually run the whole thing. Well, it's smart in both directions. It's smart because uh, on their side because anybody who's invested two weeks, well, now they're two weeks worth of invested and they're going to pony up that five bucks. Yeah, they will. For the next seven weeks and, and, and five dollars for uh, seven weeks. It's pretty good. It's really good. Like crazy good. You know what it is? It's a dollar per K. <laughs> That's their new tagline. A dollar per K. <laughs> there we go. Go buy them. All right. Let's, let's, let's get back to the show. All right. And we're back. That was a great break. That was a good break. Good job on that sponsor, Lex. Hey, you really killed it. 
You too, man. I felt good about that. You know, sometimes we're just in sync and we can we can like really, really drive those things home. And I, I feel like those sponsors are going to get a ton of traffic from this read. Right, because people know how important it is. You know, Nick. Yeah, I mean, not even being involved in that, I, I had a an almost uh, sensual response to the reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. A very, a very personal connection on a on a very deep level. Right. Yeah, you stayed you stayed pretty quiet, and I was wondering why. That explains it. Yeah. yeah. I kept thinking <laughs> any minute now Nick is going to jump in. But I guess no, no I, you are not. I, I was <laughs> paralyzed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there, we are not. Here I come. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Keeping your pants, Nick. <laughs> so we were talking about baseball. We were. American assholes who, who stare at their phones. Uh, you know, the, the thing about watching a game at the table is if everyone is into it, okay, maybe. Um if I so were, you're the problem here. Yeah, I'm the problem. I don't know. If you're out with a group of friends who aren't uh, Apple nerds or whatever, and it's or let's say you're out to brunch, and it happens to be the day of a keynote, are you sitting there refreshing your phone over and over again while you're while you're talking to people, or are you going to just wait until after brunch and check it out then? My top goal would be not to schedule something that was overlapping if I wanted to watch. <laughs> Um, if I were, well, let's say that they had 300 Apple events a year. Okay. But I was still equally eager to know what was happening at each one. Um, if I'm out with people who know me really well, who will excuse it, then I would probably check not nonstop, but intermittently. If I'm out with people who I see rarely, I would be on better behavior. See, I think maybe there's, there's another component to this. You guys are both married and the guys who are sitting at the table staring at their phones we're both either married or effectively married. And I think that because my social situation is different, my relationship status is different, I view the time that I spend with other people differently. The time that I, I spend with other people is like uh, – I see that as like a, a privilege. That's that's something that I get to do. And I'm excited when I get to spend time with my friends and, and uh, you know go out to a nice dinner. It, I'm not always surrounded by another person to talk to. Well, I've never valued my time with other people, <laughs> regardless of relationship status. I suppose that's true. I mean, you know me. Yeah. How long have we known each other? Uh, 10, 11 years now. Something crazy like that. Wow. Yeah, you've, well, I don't know. You've, well, that, that was all before the iPhone though, so I don't know. And for, you know what, I think a piece of it for me is, I mean, I, I tend to try to behave if I'm in a group setting, I'm going to try to keep my phone away. Um, but I'm not flawless. And uh, part of it is that it depends on who made the plans. <laughs> if, if, my wife, <laughs> if my wife made the plans and I'm less interested in them, then I'm more able to be distracted by my phone if I don't actually want to be where I am. And there's also this piece of, uh, as a parent, I have less free time than I ever had before. Um, and so I value my free time. And so it's, this is, and I think I've talked about this ages ago on the show early on in our run, but I have this conflict sometimes where it's like, do I want to read a book or do I want to watch a movie or do I want to catch up on Instagram yeah. or do I want to read Twitter? What the fuck do I want to do? And the thing, the answer is I actually genuinely want to do all of those things. And I try to pick the one that seems like the most effort. So sometimes it's like, man, when, when I'm looking at my Insta paper here, it's like, well, I have 15 minutes, so I'm not going to read that one with the 12 dots. I'm going to read the one with the four dots. Um, <laughs> you know, this is – you've got a point here, and this goes right back to the social thing, like relationship status. Because I don't have kids. I am single. When I'm at home and I'm not working, I get to do whatever I want. 
So when I'm out with a friend to grab a drink or to get dinner, they've got my full attention because I've already gone through all that. I'm not thinking about the other stuff that I might be doing. Right. I will say, you know, I think uh, Lex had on a good point earlier with the it, – it, for one thing, it I depends on the company. For, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on, on the, who the company is for me. Like, you know, is it a one-on-one situation? Is it somebody I've known a long time? Um, like if I'm in a therapist's office, of course I'll take my phone out because she knows me so well that uh, it's not an awkward thing. That seems like a waste of money. Well, it was just a bad joke. But moving on. (laughs) (laughs) The other piece of it for me is a lot of it is just habitual. When I get in the habit of pulling out my phone and checking Twitter and checking email and pull to refresh and just doing that a lot, I find myself doing it for no reason at all. Other than I'm standing in an elevator and I've got eight seconds to kill. And when you do that thing where you try to, where you have your phone away, either because you've forgotten it or for me in my case, it's sometimes like I'm going to leave my phone downstairs when I go upstairs to do the bedtime, bath time ritual with the kids. Uh, it's amazing to me how many times my hand goes in my pocket. Anytime there's a second to wait, it's like, hey, let me shove my hand. In. Oh, my phone's downstairs. And they can do it over and over again. Yeah. I have the opposite thing where if, uh, if, if I'm, you know, if I take the dog for a walk and I leave my phone at home, I feel peaceful. And it's usually about halfway through I'll realize, oh, I forgot my phone. And it clicks for me that all this time I've been thinking my own thoughts and experiencing the world around me rather than being concerned about the thing in my pocket or the thing in my hand. It seems like you might not even need an iPhone. I should sell this fucking thing. I'm going to go get a flip phone. Yeah, that's what John Syracuse does. You should do that. Does he really? Yeah, he carries a flip phone and an iPod Touch. Wow. Huh. I'm also aware of how... I can come off to other people sometimes where it might seem like you're – I might seem aloof or like I don't care or I might come off like an asshole. And it's never intentional but I like I know that I can do it. I'm, I'm trying to fix these things and one of the things that I'm trying to do is make it clear to other people when I'm talking to them that they have my attention, that I that I give a shit because it's not, not an easy natural thing for me to just project. I have to like make sure that I'm, I'm letting the person know. I'm trying to communicate listening. I'm trying to demonstrate good listening skills. I'm picturing you sitting at a table with like both elbows on the table and your hands <laughs> up under your chin. My fingers interlocked. <laughs> Just enthralled with the person sitting across from you. So tell me more. And what's funny about you saying that is to me is that I have really also been working, I would say for most of my adult life on wanting to be a good listener. And I, These are things that are easy to talk about or easy to say where people are like, you know, if you're spending the whole time thinking of what are you going to say next – um, then that's not really listening. That's just waiting for your turn to talk. Um, Does it count if you're just terrified of not having something to say? It still counts. You can't do it. Because <laughs> what? One thing I've noticed. If if I so here are some of my strategies. If I accidentally interrupt somebody, uh, and then they're or maybe it's even intentional. But if I'm interrupting, and then they're going to keep going because I'm going to back off. Whatever I say next, now I won't say what I was going to say. Because you know they they heard my first words, so I'm not going to say those words. I'm going to have something different to say because I don't want them to feel like I was just waiting for my turn to say things. Because anytime I, you know, if I'm at work, I mean I'm in a brand new job, so this hasn't happened with a new job. But you know, when you're in a meeting or there's a discussion or a, a, if there's like a political debate, any kind of thing where there's any kind of confrontation is too strong, but any kind of debate, if somebody interrupts and they're about to say something, and you, they they respectfully stop so that you can finish your thought. Just about everybody in those situations will keep saying whatever it was they were going to say. They will go back and say the thing yep. that they were planning on. And that tells me you did not – what I said, nothing else after the interruption had any impact on what you said. You didn't actually listen because you're now just waiting for your chance to say your thing. So I really try – that's one thing I try to avoid. 
Well, the other side of that is making sure you provide pauses for the other person to say the thing that they want to say. Good observation, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't be the person to talk next after he said that. (laughs) Zing. No, but there's, there's truth to that. If you, um, when, when someone will start to interrupt me, I will, I don't know. There's kind of a, 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 an alpha male tug of war thing that can happen there sometimes where there's like a dominant person and a submissive person. You never want to like give up ground in that way. And if, if, if you find yourself in these situations, the best thing to do is just not be in that situation. But if you find yourself in these situations, it's tough to balance uh, letting the person know that you're not going to let them talk over you with giving them the the room to finish their thought. And I'd rather give them the room to finish the thought so they can say what they're thinking and they're not just sitting waiting for me to shut up. But I also – I default to assuming that whenever I'm talking, the other people are just waiting for me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do a podcast? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I was just thinking it's amazing we ever get this done. That shit is terrifying. And talking to two other people, not just one other person. When we do this show, I'm always thinking about, um, do we have the right balance? Like on this episode, I feel like Nick isn't talking enough. So I want to, let's turn the floor to Nick. Nick, you have the floor. If you you can continue on this topic or you can just get anything off your chest that you've been waiting for, but this is your time to shine. This is Nick Arnott. Nick, what's your problem? Well, I just get, I get, so (laughs) I do, oftentimes I do one of two things, you know, somebody speaking and something pops in your head and you start to think about what you're going to say next. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'll do is just get completely fucking derailed. And like 30 seconds later, I have checked out and I've like <laughs> gone down this strange path of what, what was the I person was about? saying, you know, a minute or two ago. I'll, and then I just draw total blanks. <laughs> what were all those things I was thinking about and going to say? I can, I can feel that. I like when I land a thought and I realize that it was, has nothing at all to do with what I started out talking about. <laughs> and I can't remember what the person's question was. And I try to like wrap it back around anyway. So yeah, my point being that I just got to make shit up. The other fun strategy I like to use in a meeting is, um, you know, there's sometimes there's the quiet guy who doesn't say much. Oh, and so, those people drive me nuts. Well, so, but if I, if I need to, if I feel like, uh, if I feel like if I lobby too early, I'm going to lose the thing I want to win in a debate in a meeting. I try to be quiet for a while so that then when you do talk, when you do have something to say, people are like, well, he, this is the only thing he's saying. It's got to be important. We should give this all the credence. And a lot of people now vie for that role. I think that's not a, an uncommon strategy, but when so you, you just get a room off, full of people not talking, <laughs> yeah, it's the best meetings, but when you can it's, pull it's, that off, it's, it's good. It's idea chicken. <laughs> Now, I just I'm just I'm picturing the, the <laughs> conference room of people all sitting around, not saying a single thing, waiting for somebody else to crack first. Yeah, first person to talk loses. And all this that would be because a... by the end of the meeting, nobody's going to remember what that person said. Right, right. You want to get in in like the last two minutes. See, I, I play it as a numbers game. If I just keep talking, eventually I'm going to say something interesting or funny. And hopefully that's what people remember. Well, that's what you think, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Although part of it is that I'm just, I, I don't know. I There's still that part of me that is very socially awkward. And the idea of, of carrying on a conversation with somebody that I'm not, that I don't know well, really, really scares me. And people who don't talk a lot, the people you, you'll, you'll keep talking and they'll just kind of like, they're listening. They're really good listeners, but they give you nothing back. Oh, it's like torture. That's hell for me. <laughs> So I ran into this, this, this reminds me, uh, a mutual friend that Dave and I have, um, Jason, really nice I guy. I knew you were going to say Jason. And 
one of the first times that we met, I think, was at a party at Dave's house, like a Halloween party or something. And and I like we knew that we we had mutual friends and things like that. And and he and I just kind of wound up standing by each other and and striking up, a, <laughs> not even striking up a conversation, but uh, I found out that he and I both had the same technique for when we don't know what to say, which is just ask the other person questions. So one of us would ask a question and the other would give a really short response and then like say, you know, well, what about you? And then that person would give a really short response. And it's, I think we've gotten a little bit better at it. You're playing question tennis. Like normally that's a, that's a pretty good strategy for me, right? That, that works where it's like, if I don't know what to say, I'll just ask questions and I'll get the other person to tell me about them. And, um, it doesn't work if that's exactly what the other person is doing. All that said, when you're with somebody who, you know, really well, who you spend a lot of time with. I, I have had times like we went away with another couple for uh, a week. And so every night, Sounds hot. every day I'm with the, you know, the very good friend of mine, Frank. And, you know, sometimes I think when we're sitting at dinner, what the hell are we going to talk about? We saw each other all day. We know exactly what happened today. And we did the same thing the next, the, the previous couple of days. And so one of two things would happen. You happen onto conversation anyway, or sometimes there's not so much conversation happening. And uh, it, that can be totally awkward in some situations. But, and this is not a new thought, obviously, but when you're with somebody uh, where you don't have to talk and it's not totally awkward, that's pretty cool. A comfortable silence. Dave and I had a moment like that last night. <laughs> a shared moment. A shared moment. Well, we should uh, we should explain what we were doing last night. Because we're recording this on uh, Friday, September 20th, the day that the new phone came out. Right. So the plan was to line up at like, what, what was our initial plan? 6 or 6.30 in the morning? Go to the Apple store? Uh, yeah, something like that. I think that's what we were going to shoot for. And... Um, I decided as a as a fallback plan that I would wake up at one and I would order a phone online, and then that way, if I didn't get one in the morning, that at least I would you know have one on the way. And then come one o'clock, I was unable to uh, successfully order a phone through through Apple. Um, so instead, I bugged Dave and talked him into going to line up at the Apple store with me at like one thirty in the morning. What I loved was how you convinced me because you're like, well, maybe we could go early and it'll be, you know, it'll be fun. We can, we can hang out. I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. But then you said, it'll be an adventure. And for some reason, I'm just like, fuck, all right, I'll go. Well, because that's always the line you use on me. <laughs> it'll be an adventure. Yeah, that is how I talk you into shit. Right. So it's like, well, how could you turn that down? Yeah. So, you know, I, I went and uh, I picked Dave up and we went to uh, the Apple store that was at the mall here. And I don't know, it was a problem, maybe like a quarter after two in the morning at this point. And it, was, this, it was pretty late, yeah. Yeah. And the security guard told us that um, nobody was allowed to line up until five. <laughs> I was I was kind of fucked at this point anyway because I, I made the mistake of trying to sleep, thinking that I was going to get up early. And so I just spent you know, three or four hours laying in bed, tossing and turning. So I didn't get any sleep, but getting up and going out again even though I don't usually go to sleep until three or four in the morning, but getting up and like leaving the house at two, two thirty, whenever it was, it felt like I was getting up in the middle of the night, even though I should have normally been wide awake anyway. Well, at that point, if the, with the original plan to line up at like six or six thirty, and you know, now we can line up at five, but it's two in the morning, you know, <laughs> what do you do? I, yeah. Right. Three hours to kill in Denver in the middle of the night. There's fucking nothing to do. Well, there was an entertaining diner. There's good people watching. But the guy, the security guy, his uh, uh, 
the suggestion we asked, what should we do until then, was go cruising. <laughs> well, and he didn't even seem dickish about it. He seemed like uh, like that was a solid suggestion to make. Well, he's an older guy, so I'm imagining that when he was a kid, that's what you did at night. You went cruising. <laughs> like we, They lifted him directly out of American Graffiti. Right. This was his second job. I forgot why we started down this path. I don't know. Oh, you wanted we to talk about some night. awkward silence that you had where you shared a moment? Oh, yeah, the shared moment. So I was listening. We were, and I don't even know if Dave uh, caught this moment, but it was special to me. <laughs> when, we were, when we were leaving Dave's place to, uh, after I had initially picked him up to head over to the mall, we're driving down uh, Broadway, this, this main road here, and I realized nothing's been said for like, you know, 20 or 30 seconds, and it felt a little weird, and, and I felt like I should say something, or should I, hey, you know, I should ask a question. And instead, it's like, you know, I've known Dave for 11 years, maybe... Maybe it's time to try just being okay with the silence. <laughs> After all this time, finally, finally, and, we can. Yeah, it, it, and we pulled through it okay. We made it out we'll, the other side you, in I one piece. We'll I think we should try a, an experiment. <laughs> sure. Do you think a, a podcast can have a, a shared silence that isn't incredibly uncomfortable? No. You were right.